In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry-leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us. Faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to talk about it outdoors, boys, and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy of Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does, he exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life, as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed the Seed located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs, with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that'll make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. 
Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors live in the Wilson studio. Alex DeBoard, Nick Wilson himself. We're going to talk turkey hunting. We're going to talk deer hunting. And we're going to take a look at the other side of the lens. We got Colin Perry from Major League Bow Hunter, the man from the 100th episode that told one story about a set of cedars. We're going to hear the other side of it tonight. Y'all pull up a chair and set a while. Nick, we're rolling right on into the Georgia turkey season, son. It's getting hot, getting with it, ain't it? Yes, sir. There's going to be a couple of uh, weekends in the, behind us when this episode drops. But That's right. That's hopefully right. there's something on the ground and we got something else to talk about. But <laughs> Yes, I'm ready. You forgot to ask me at the opening. I know. I was, I, was, I was expecting you to be ready. I know you're ready because we're coming off this amazing last couple of weeks we've had. We've dropped out some new videos. We've got some great new things that are coming to talk about it outdoors. But the biggest thing that's came new is... Mr. 130 himself has been in the turkey woods twice. You have. Already. Yes, and it may be even more by the time this episode drops. I guarantee it's going to be more. I'm going to go kill that bird. I done got mad at him. You, done, you, already, got a, uh, you already got a pot call from me? You've been practicing Shh, up? Don't tell everybody uh, he's, that. Everybody, he's asking for pot calls. Don't, be, don't worry. Won't be long. He'll be killing one. He'll probably have a damn three-inch spur or something. <laughs> five beards or yeah, something. something crazy <laughs> mr horseshoe himself done showed up well like i said just a moment ago tonight's guest comes to us as a young man in the industry but i told you i'd been kind of stalking and creeping around on his instagram page trying to figure some information out about him and the one thing that i can say that came to mind every post that he makes is the correlation between growing up and making himself a name because he has definitely done that, and he is doing that. His pictures, his video content, and the way that he carries himself on there. I read through comments. I like to read through stuff and get a gauge of where somebody's at on it. And you would see a post, and it would have a comment, and Colin would comment back, you know, thank you, or whatever it may be. And the humbleness and appreciation that a young man, 21 years old, is showing and realizing what kind of a blessing he's been given as we were talking to him before the show, I tell you, it's something to be admired, and I'm, I'm very proud that he agreed to come on and do it with us. So, Mr. Colin Perry, welcome to Talk About It Outdoors. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. You said at the, at the interim, while we were kind of preparing for this thing, that uh, this was Nick was chasing dogs around the house, and I was talking to him, and I asked him what he thought about getting into this what kind of a feeling it was and he was almost kind of speechless there for a second and he said gosh it was just such a blessing but 
I want you to, before we get into the Major League bow hunter, before we get into the Midwest Whitetail thing, tell everybody a little bit about yourself because I don't think you've got a chance to introduce yourself to anybody out there. Yeah. So I'm Colin Perry, and I'm 21. Like you said, um, I'm working for Major League Bow Hunter. I started with them three years ago, and uh, I'm, I'm from Central Mississippi, a little town called French Camp. I think population 300. Um, so real small, and you know, I just grew up in the outdoors. My dad and granddad take me hunting, and um, you know, I killed my first deer. You know, it's like the everybody's story. You know, killed it when I was eight. You know, just grew up doing it, squirrel hunting with my granddad, and later when i was about 15 16 getting into turkey hunting and man i mean that's just it's just been my life you know it's been a big part of it and that's just you know what we do out here in little rural mississippi now had you ever been to the midwest when you uh when you no never (laughs) midwest was eye-opening yeah you know being um i was listening to y'all's episode with brandon danker i think and um y'all were talking about your deer size there where you are in georgia you know being proud of seeing a 130 I was like, yeah, that's that's us out here. You know, here in the hill part of Mississippi, uh, you know, our deer, you know, it sounds an awful lot like what you were describing. Now, once you get out west to the Delta where, you know, Duff has a farm out there, they can grow some big some big deer on that soil and, you know, deer that rival anything you see in the Midwest. But here in the hills, you know, we're, we're little pine trees and, yeah, it's it gets tough. Was your first experience in the Midwest hunting or behind a camera? My first experience in the Midwest was actually in Iowa. So I went, um, like I said, I'm, I interned for Midwest Whitetail. So, yeah, this is a good story. So I go to Iowa, and it's uh, 2019, end of July. Last week of July, I went up there. And there was me and one other intern there at the time. And so the first thing I ever did was we got on the phone with Jared Mills. And we were like, well, we want to go see some big deer, you know, drop us a pin to a soybean field. And we went out, um, you know, to one of, you know, Jared's pieces that you could look off the road and look in this uh, soybean field. And I'm talking about three 170s just standing out there. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is, this is different. <laughs> We've made it. We've made it. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be a, a whole new experience. And it was, I mean, yeah, that, 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 so that was my first experience in the Midwest seeing a deer, you know, twice as big as anything I'd ever seen. So it was it's cool. So where's that guy currently that you were filming with, that you were up there with, the intern? Yeah, so his name his name is Jake Sproul, and he's kind of doing his own things. Uh, he finished his internship, and he's actually got a uh, YouTube uh, channel called Deer Co. Um, so he just started this past fall. Okay. So take us through that process and how you found Midwest Whitetail and, and got involved with that. Yeah, so first of all, I think Bill Winky is the greatest whitetail hunter to ever live. <laughs> I mean, I just loved watching him growing up and was glued to his, you know, every day he posted, con, you know, his videos. I was watching them, and I, I just, I loved the way he hunted and the way he explained everything. And so I always loved middle biggest fan of Midwest whitetail, and so I went to, after I graduated high school in 2018, I went to community college here in uh, Mississippi for a year and I was ahead on some classes. And so I knew I was going to have a semester um, where I was going to be ahead. And uh, I was like, man, if I'm ever going to take off and like do this thing, um, I need to do it 
this semester and then I'll come back. So I was like, called, uh, I messaged Jared, I guess, on Instagram and he was in charge of the internship program. And they had, I, I was super late and I had just so happened that one of the guys had dropped out. And, uh, so he was, um, he was gracious enough to be like, yeah, come on. We, we need one more person. So that's how I got hooked up with the internship there. Now you drove yourself to Iowa, I assume, right? Or did they pay for you to get there? Yeah, I, I I drove my I drove myself. My my parents followed me up there. <laughs> <laughs> what they oh they were scared to let you go by yourself. I was eighteen, I guess. My left, oh, I, I might have been nineteen, but they were like, you know, I, you know, they want to go see where I was going to live and all that. So they, they they followed me up there and you know said their goodbyes, being parents. <laughs> hey, that's awesome, man. Yeah. That they but that's cool that they supported you enough to to do that and they got behind you enough. Had you done a lot of filming prior to that? That's what made you want to do that? Just filming your buddies and stuff? Yeah. So when, me and one of my buddies, when we were about 14, we were like, I mean, just every time we were in the woods, you know, I, I was usually doing the filming. <laughs> and, you know, he was, you know, doing the hunting. But I, I just, I loved it. I loved having, you know, something to look at after, you know, the hunt. And, you know, you get to remember it by that. And uh, I remember the first year we shot, it was his mom's it had, it was like the, it had an SD card, but it was like the first at home video camera to ever have an SD card, you know? And he shot, it ended up being a little six point and we just thought it was the coolest thing. And we had that on camera. I mean, it was pitch black, you know, you couldn't even see the deer, but we were like, there's a deer in there somewhere. We were just so pumped, you know, it was awesome. Do so you, that's, I mean, that's where it started. Do you have a YouTube channel that you abandoned? abandoned? I do. So, my cousin, he actually just walked in the house and crept up the stairs and came back down. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> he's kind of he's kind of doing it. You know, I kind of gave it to him to to continue. But it was called Magnolia Madness. So that that uh, my freshman year at college, you know, I was like, man, we're gonna start something. So we started. It was called uh, Magnolia Madness, and uh, so he he still posts some stuff on there. Not too much YouTube content, but he posts on Instagram and stuff. Did. Going to, to Midwest Whitetails and, and spending that internship, and I think you said you were only there for a month. Yeah, so I, I was only there for a month, but that was just because, well, it's a long story, but that summer, well, I guess that February, I'd gone to the NWTF convention, and I met Matt Duff, and Bill Winky and Matt Duff, those were my two guys like in the hunting industry that I grew up, and I was like, those are the two that I love to watch. And, um, so I saw Duff and I was like, I got to talk to him. So I sat there and talked to Duff for 45 minutes, you know, and Duff can carry a conversation with anybody. We talked 45 minutes and, uh, I, I knew he, he had a farm out in the Delta. I'm two hours away from him. I was like, well, if you ever need anybody to film, you know, I'm right here and, uh, just, you know, just holler out. I'd be more than, more than happy to, you know, to come, come sit in a tree with you. And so he gave me at the time, Brandon Adams, um, you know, he was producing the show and stuff. He gave me his contact and I just stayed on the email with BA. I just hammered him, you know, every month. So, Hey, you know, we want, we want to film some turkey hunts, want to do something. And eventually I remember it was, it was in June and he just sent me, I hadn't talked to him in three months probably. And he sent me an e email and it was like, Hey, you want to go on an elk hunt with us in New Mexico? I was like, yeah, I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> be all right, actually. And, uh, so anyway, so that, that, that transpired and, you know, I knew that was going to be in September and that was right around the same time that I, uh, messaged, uh, Jared. 
So those two kind of overlapped. And so what ended up happening was, I, you know, I told Jared, I said, I just need to be gone, you know, the first week of September, if that's okay, because I've already committed to this elk hunt. And uh, it just so happened that uh, Brandon Adams was, he was going to start his own deal um, that season. So he was stepping away from MLB. And when I went on the elk hunt, Duff was like, well, look, if them guys will, the first day he killed an elk, it was the first thing with, with actual horns on his head that I'd ever filmed. <laughs> He killed elk the first morning. He was like, well, I mean, if you want to stick around, you know. So, luckily, you know, I talked to Jared about it, and he was like, well, I mean, that's what the internship's for is to get jobs in the hunting industry. So, you know, he, he was he was very gracious about that. I was like, yeah, I mean, that's what you're here for, to get a job. And I was like, well, all right. And so I just stayed with them. So that's why I was only there a month uh, with them. But you're talking about learning a lot in a month. I bet. There and, and guys, yeah, it was unreal. It sounded like God opened some doors for you along the way so far. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. It's been it's he's opened way more than you know, than I ever thought, you know, and I'm at a place where I never thought I'd be for sure. So very cool. What was the what was the biggest learning thing that you learned up there at Midwest Whitetails throughout that month? Was it filming was it just the well, filming side? The, well, th- this is funny. So I, the only thing I'd ever edited a video on was like Apple um, iMovie, you know, comes on your phone, your computers by Mac or whatever. And so I got introduced to Premiere Pro, which is what, you know, a majority of people, you know, that you're actually going to, you know, professionally, you're, you know, make something nice, use Premiere Pro. So that was my first time ever being introduced to it. And we did a lot of that that month. And, but like on the, you know, non-technical side of it, just, doing the prep work you know like i said was out there with jared mills planting food plots on their river farm and mike reed we were planting i mean we planted so many plots that whole month but it was just i mean it was you learn a ton from those guys they got to meet um went on bill's farm before he sold it you know that was last year he had it and just listened to him talk about why there was a doe at the end of his yard eating a piece of grass you know and he just him articulating that like why why is she doing that like everything about it it was hey you know you could tell that he was the real you know he was he was he knew what he was doing and he was good at showing us you know and teaching us along the way so it was it was awesome bill winky as an outdoorsman and as a knowledgeable person is great but the way he is as a teacher is something to be heralded as as somebody that, that he goes down as one of the best to ever do that side. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, in my book, he's he's number one for me, and you know, probably always will be just because just because of that. Like everything, the way he the way he brought about Midwest Whitetail as a you know online platform and put videos out every day, and every day he's he's showing you what he's doing, he's telling you what he's doing, he's got other videos when he's not hunting you know showing you how to do stuff it was just you know as a whitetail hunter and if you know you get the bug for it i mean you want that knowledge i remember going on remember he had the ask winky link on his page you can go ask him questions and you know i just go ask you know ask him whatever and he'd answer and you know i was i, I just thought the world of him he's just a nice in person you know so it was it was very cool you know getting to do some stuff with him Going into Major League Bow Hunter as a 19 year old kid, 
and having the the guys, I'm sure they were on you from day one revving oh, you. Still are, still are. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to uh, now on episode 100, and then we'll get off the deer hunting, Nick, because I know this is a turkey hunting hammer right here. So I want him to tell some of that stuff. But on episode 100, Chipper gave us a little little tale about what he might have turned around and scared you a little bit in the in a double seater set. And so uh, why don't you tell that story from uh, from your perspective? Yeah, yeah. So, so we're on this farm in Kansas, and it's September. And you'll hear Chipper say this. You know, he, when he goes in September, he's just bored. He's like, "Man, I, we shouldn't even be here hunting, but I just want to get in the woods." You know, that's the way he is. He's like, "I just, I just want to be out there." So it's September. I mean, it's like seventy-eight degrees in the morning. We're on a morning hunt. He's like, "Well, we'll just go sit the double seater set, the double seater set." And uh, I think it was my first time in a tree with him. I think that morning was like that first day was you know, my first day with him. And, uh, so I was like, all right, so we, we go and we get in the tree stand and when, when we get in the tree stand, it, it's a double seater. So they're right beside each other and the stands are touching. Like the only way to put them in this tree stand was to put them angling, you know, 45 degrees. And I mean, we're eye level, like just right on top of each other. And the way the tree wrapped around, I couldn't see anything to my left or anything to my right. We had one hole in front of us where we were going to shoot, right? And so I'm like, naturally, I'm just angling at him, right? And, <laughs> and he's angling at me. Well, thing about Chipper is there's nobody in the world that plays more candy crush in a deer stand than Chipper Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I thought that was interesting. I was like, hey, I'm sitting up here with Chipper Jones, you know, because I just, you know, I grew up loving him, obviously. I was like, I'm saying here with Chipper Jones. He's just playing, playing Candy Crush like anybody else. <laughs> so we're, yeah, we're, we're sitting there, and, and I, I mean, I don't got anywhere else to look. You know, I'm trying. You know, if I do, even if I don't look at him or his Candy Crush, I'm looking like in the, you know, off in the distance behind him, so it looks like I'm looking at him. And yes, eventually, you know, he said, you know, he turned around. He's like, "Hey, kid, what are you looking at?" <laughs> we had to get about 45 minutes, but you know, there for a minute, I was like, "Well." Yeah. Do you guys so, cut? Do you guys cut up a lot in the stand together? Yeah, yeah, you know it's you know like you said in the show, like he's got you know he get in the tree stand, and if it's one of those days he just wants to sit back and relax and play Candy Crush, keep quiet. We'll just be quiet for three hours. But if 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 he's in the mood, we'll you know stand up and you know talk it away. And yeah, it's, but I, I, that's that's definitely cool. So you had to be a you had to be a big Chipper Jones fan. I mean, Mississippi's pretty much Braves country, so. Um, that had to yeah. be surreal for you to just climb up there. Hell yeah. That it's, was, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And it, you know, still every now and then you're like, man, I'll get, to, you know, I get to hunt with these guys and get to hunt with Chipper. So it's still, even though we're a lot more close now, yeah. <laughs> you know, you still, think about it, you're like, yeah, that's cool. Are you, are you one of the guys that had the camera in his face at nighttime when after he's had it, what do you, what do you refer to? Sauced up? <laughs> yeah. A little sauce stuff about 10 or 11 o'clock. You know what? I've just learned that if it's nighttime, there's no need for camera work. <laughs> I hear nothing. At least not a uh, not personal person camera work. You know, they, they they just leave it. You know, we get done with our hunts. I'll get one last interview. You know, before we go into the lodge or wherever we're at, and then that's that's good for the night. You know, start again next day. <laughs> have you ever woke woke Chipper up from his afternoon nap? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I have a couple times, and I just usually knock on the door like, "Hey, Chip, about time to go." Whatever. <laughs> 
see how he's feeling. No, he's yeah, it's I, I have done it a couple of times, but it's all it's all good. It's been yeah. good. <laughs> well, and I think you you know I I want to ask this question because it, it kind of correlates with what you're experiencing now when you were growing up hunting because we didn't really touch on that did you go to deer camp when with your folks or who got you into hunting yeah you know so we live on my granddad has some land here that we live on and um so deer camp was like like my mom and you know her siblings we all live on one road so deer camp is where we live you know like it's you know if it's hunting season we're up and down the road hey what'd you see today so not really like in a per se, like going to hunting club and like we're out, you know, for, you know, our getaway spot. We never really had a place like that, but, uh, yeah, just growing up around, you know, everybody, you know, everybody in town's hunting. So it's like meeting up at the store. What'd you see today? So that kind of, you know, fight, you know, that's, that's what we did. And, uh, that, I mean, that was my camp, you know, deer camp experience pretty much. But that camaraderie you got to experience going into major league oh, yeah. hunters camp. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it's it, being in camp with all the guys, you know, that's just, you hear the stories from the past, you know, everything that they've, you know, experienced in the deer woods. Cause I'm telling you when we like these guys are eat up with, you know, like some people, you know, I, that's one of the questions I get asked the most, like, do these guys like, are they just hunting, you know, just cause you know, they got a show or whatever. No, like we're, if we're, we'll go to chippers here in uh two weeks for interviews. And last year when we got there for interviews in the middle of March last year, first we sat around till 12 o'clock talking about our Kansas lease. I mean, they are, they, they truly love it. And when you get in deer camp with a bunch of other hunters and they get to cutting it up, you, I mean, you can learn a lot and, you know, hear the most unbelievable stories, you know, funny stories, you know, everything. It's, it's awesome to soak in. When you guys are sitting around deer camp and you're getting ready to go out for maybe a morning or afternoon hunt, do they ever ask your opinion on maybe what stand you think they should get in? Chip, chip, yeah. I mean, I guess both of those your input, but Chipper's definitely like he, he he'll he'll talk it up with you. And Duff, you know, he he's usually Duff's processing. I mean, he 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 can't sleep at night. He's thinking about the next day and what we're gonna do. So he he's got his plan made. But you know, Chipper wakes up, especially in Iowa, because our Iowa, you know, where we hunt there. You know, he made a joke with me this year. He was like, we got, we had another uh, guy, you know, helping us with some film. And he was like, well, I think I'm going to get Jake to come, come film me in Iowa. And I was like, uh-uh, <laughs> no. He was like, yeah, I know. I was just kidding. That <laughs> 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 was my, I'm going to film you there every year. You know, we get up there and we're just talking about different stands and, you know, chippers by the book when it comes to the wind. So we pull out, we got a big map and, you know, morning you know, of the hunt or that after, you know, the evening before. We're sitting around the table, you know, drawing up what our what our plans are for the morning, and we know where we could go, and you know, I, I get to put in a little bit of input. But you're learning. Oh yeah. Do you get to, do you get to take advantage of any downtime to get out and hunt yourself? Yeah. So this year, I actually had a good bit of time around um, Christmas uh, that that it was that was free for me. And I hit the Mississippi rut just right. I got a new lease. Um, it's the first piece of property that I've ever, like, you know, put some money into myself and, uh, you know, be able to call it mine and not have family, you know, run all over it. And uh, I ended up killing two two good bucks out there. One was a six-point, 20-and-a-half inches wide. <laughs> just, yeah. just love it, <laughs> you know. 
shoot it with the bow, and I was, you know, just as happy as anything else. It looked like a – if you see that 20-and-a-half-inch frame in Iowa, though, or Kansas, you know, you'd have had a – sure enough, you know, deer. Do you self-film it? I did, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was self-filming. You going to pr- produce it for MLB? Yeah, I I don't know. We might have it won't it won't be a whole you know deal you know yeah. with that lease. I'm hoping that I can kind of build a story out of it in a later episode. I can put it in there, but it's not enough to make a you know a standalone episode. But I might you know get to throw it in an episode somewhere. Throw it on the YouTube stuff. or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was awesome hunt. Yeah, you care if we get into filming real quick a little bit? Well, I, I wanted to ask him. Uh, well, yeah, but you go into filming, and I want to I want to ask him something. To, about turkey hunting, so I'll, I'll, uh, when you get ready to spin well, into that, let me know because well, I got an interesting. Well, question I'm asking there. this for us and and you know all the new people filming because you're still kind of new yourself, you know, only being 21. But yeah, sure. what what are some key things that we can be looking for? Because it, let me just tell you real quick what I kind of I kind of set myself up out in the woods as I go. I carry a GoPro with me now that I'm turkey hunting. I carry a GoPro with me. Um, I carry just I just have a regular camcorder and and I'm I'm always cautious. Like, should I record? 24 7 with the gopro always leave it running and go back and have to edit all that footage or just give me your kind of rundown well that, that's that's not a very easy yeah so with the the second angles man it's just hit or miss like me and duff were in alabama last week turkey hunting and uh i only only had one gopro with me i, I usually try to carry a couple i only had one with me and you know you go to turn it on and the sucker's just you know glitched out i mean it you know it was dead before it got back revived but yeah i, I don't i don't leave them on 24 7 like which it's, it's a little bit easier you know when you're filming somebody you know i got my camera arm and then my gopros that i can turn on if you're by yourself it's harder to reach up when a deer's coming in or a turkey's coming in and turn it on uh, but so i mean i guess with that it's just about reading the situation and you know, just knowing if something's about to happen. You know, if it's getting closer to dark, I usually go ahead and flip them on. You know, or first thing in the morning. You know, if we're thinking a deer will, you know, come by or something. And like this year, uh, Chipper killed in uh, Kansas, and I I got uh, four. I had two GoPros on uh, my my DSLR uh, above Chipper. And then my, my big camera that I was filming with, so we got like four angles of the kill, and that's just, I mean, it's awesome to have. I mean, you're not going to use every one of them, you know, for the shot, mm-hmm. you know, but having all those angles is definitely, you know, it, it can help tell the story a lot better. I think, I think my mind's always processing. I have to go back and pull all this footage off if I continue to keep it running and think, what am I going to do with it? Am I just going to scroll through it real quick and find something? Or I guess you can always remember those parts and – Clip them out, however you want to do them. But I, I think yeah. that's, I think that's what bothers me the most about it. Is that my my yeah, so you, big, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Colin. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know what my biggest regret is is not having that bow angle last year. I mean, yeah. uh, I had the perfect, the perfect setup. I mean, I had everything right to the biggest deer in my life with a bow, and I didn't have a camera on my bow. If I'd had that tactic cam on my bow, I would have had. Every, I mean everything, but I miss the shot. But like you said, it's hard to it's hard to gauge. But I don't leave my GoPro on. I've got I don't run the GoPro. I run the DJI Action, um, which mm. is the same thing basically. But I can reach up and click one button. It's on and recording. And my main camera, I know I've got to get it on. But the screen's already open. I just click a button and it's. Does yours have to? Does it go 
to sleep and you press a button and it wake up or do you have to close the screen? My GoPro? No, no, your main, your G50. Oh, it'll, I have to flip it off and then flip it back on because it'll go to sleep. Mine, you just press this, uh, that Sony FDR 700 and you just click a button on it and it comes, the record button, it comes on and I can do it on my very zoom. I figured that out, you know, just click it and it comes back to life with it open. So you can put it in sleep mode. Yeah. I think this, I think the thing is just, I just get like, Am I really going to foot? Am I really going to film from the time I get out of the vehicle to the time I get finished? Especially now in turkey season, I could film a lot of walking around or gobbling. Like, is that is, uh, that, is that helpful or is that just like a waste of time? Like that's one thing that um, Drake Lamb when I so when I was in Iowa, um, interning and Drake was helping me a lot, and uh, he he I remember him saying, you know, like you can run the camera too much. Like you can run it so much that when you get back to edit stuff, you're going to hate yourself because you got to look through all, of it, you know? Right. And like, that's definitely like part of the, part of the process of like post-production that we're doing now is, you know, you try to journal everything that happens during the year, you know, every day and, you know, kind of keep up with what happened this day and this day and this day. But then at the end of the season, I got to go back and watch all that video. You know, I got to write out storylines and you, know, you got to go back and watch all of it. And then, I mean, it's don't get me wrong. You want to have you don't want to definitely not have something, you know, no. but if it's just like you, you can definitely have too much, if that makes sense. How many SD cards do you carry, Colin? Yeah, I, I bought I got well, I, we got a new um fx6 sony fx6 this year and uh the memory cards for it like a hundred i think the 180 gigabyte one was 450 dollars wow and insane so yeah i only had a couple of them this year i had you know four five of those but i was like yeah we're gonna cut it off with that we'll just have to you know if we if we if we record any more than that we're in trouble anyway so (laughs) do you and you, you just made an interesting point Every episode that you do, no matter short, medium, or long, you write a storyline out on paper. Yeah, so we'll we'll um, what I usually do is I'll go through on and just type out on uh, like you know Microsoft Word. I'll watch the clips and be like, you know, this is what happened this day, this hunt. You know, this is important things that happen, and then you want to like kind of edit the episode. You want to get the feel of it, and then you can go through and get your questions, which ultimately lead to our, you know, our interviews that we'll do here in a couple of weeks. And, uh, that, I mean, that just, if you, if you get all that out of the way, then once you get your interviews done, you pretty much have a plug in of what, you know, on your, on your editing timelines of, of what you need for the show. And then you can kind of get it rolling and, and get them finished. This is are cra- you, crazy to listen <laughs> to him tell that stuff. That's just neat. At his age. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Are you, are you, are you pretty good on the, Premier Pro, or are you still learning a lot? I, I've I've gotten a lot. I mean, I, I'm very comfortable with it now. You know, yeah, now, a lot. So, well, it's, definitely got it's comfortable. A, then when I started, when I started, I was fresh, brand new. You know, so I know the feeling, brother. I've been I've been messing with it for about six months now, and I I find myself on YouTube on my phone, and then go back to the computer and go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So, <laughs> what'd you say? YouTube's your best friend. I know everybody says it, but you can learn what you need to on there. <laughs> you dang sure can. Well, it's that time, well, you Nicholas. Better. 
No, not for shooting you straight to talk turkeys. Oh, <laughs> well, you better hit that when we change gears. <laughs> when you went to Iowa for that first trip, how much bigger was them turkeys in Iowa than they was in Mississippi? Yeah, you know, I don't know if I can answer that. I don't know if I saw a turkey the whole time. Really? I was there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I cannot remember seeing turkeys, you know, out and about. Probably wasn't looking for turkeys, that's why. <laughs> well, I was looking for that for that velvet. I was there during velvet season. I was, I got, I, I love that. But turkey. no, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I ever saw any turkeys out there. Jim Jokers is like ostriches in Iowa. Yeah. I ain't never, a hen there would whoop every gobbler in Georgia. Well, I hope I'm able to answer that next year. If I got enough preference points, I hope yeah, you get I, to. I haven't gotten to turkey on Iowa yet, so I, I can't can't answer that. Are you able to put in for your pre- preference points for deer hunting? I just started this year. Duff so gonna, is Duff and Chipper going to let you off to go hunting when you get drawn? Oh yeah. Are they going to film if you? I, tag, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to figure out a way to be in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, the right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sick, boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All in sick, you know, for a week or so. Well, before we get too deep into uh, turkey, hunting. turkey hunting, let's go to shoot you straight. This week's shooting you straight brought to you by land specialist Cal Hardy with Whitetail Properties. If you're looking to buy or sell land in the Northwest Georgia area, give our boy Cal a call. 770-296-2163. Day or night. All right, well, Nicholas, as it goes into uh, our shooting straight segment for the week, I think this is a pretty good one, um, and it comes to us from Jeremy Pinnell. And Jeremy wanted to know, have we ever felt that gut-wrenching feeling of the one that got away? And for our guest tonight, I want to ask you, Colin, first, have you ever had that one that sticks in your mind of the, the one that got away? Well, this is this is a perfect question for me because you talk about grow like the journey of me filming and stuff. And I told you I had that buddy that I was usually filming. So uh, he got behind the camera one day, and we have a property in North Mississippi, and it's 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 the property that we're like, all right, if we want to go have a chance at a good hundred thirty inch buck, you know, that's where we're going. And we, I was fifteen, he was sixteen, he just got his license. And I was like, man, let's, let's go, let's go get up there. I mean, he just got his license. So we, we go up there and, uh, two climbers climb on that to this food plot. It's November 26th. I'm telling you, I remember everything about it. It's the, <laughs> it is one that got away. And, uh, we, you know, we, we get out there two 30 in the afternoon, climb up there and get set. I do my interview. You know, we think we're big stuff and doing our interviews and all that. And uh, he, the only deer we saw that day was was the biggest buck I had on camera that that summer, and he disappeared for you know till November, and he just happened to step out and worked his way in, and I mean it was perfect. My buddy was over the shoulder with the camera, you know, I drew back, you know, pulled the trigger, and it just I mean it, it my you know immediately my buddy was like you smoked him, you smoked him. He crashed you know going out of the field, and. Uh, you know, we, I mean, we, we thought we had done it. We were like, we just got that all on film. You know, it was, it was amazing. You know, we just thought that was amazing and ended up, I, I just shot him right, you know, too fine right behind the shoulder and, you know, just punched it right on, you know, right in the shoulder. My air went in about, you know, four inches maybe and snapped off and, you know, he's never found him. And that, that I mean, that we, we talk about it all the time. 
you know, we'd just be random conversation be like, well, what about that deer? And I was like, ah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, how about you, Nick? Um, yeah, I've had a deer and I've had a turkey. Which one you want? Turkey. Give me, give me them both. Okay, real quick. Um, I had a deer in Illinois that I, um, I didn't have no camera sightings or anything of on it. I was sitting in my stand. Um, a farmer down below came come driving up through there. Like he was going to check his cows. I guess this deer had been bedded down with a doe. The doe comes running through. Here comes the buck, and and I mean he's he's coming. I mean it's like twenty yards, and then like he keeps. And I'm like, man, trying to stop him. I had a one pin HHA at the time. I kept it on 25 all the time. Always kept it on 25. And by the time I got him stopped, I had already pulled back when he was coming my 20 yard shooting lane. He goes to 30 yard shooting lane. He gets up there and he's at like 40 something. Never thought, let down, dial up anything. He's quartering dead away. I hit him in the back leg low. He's at 42 yards. We, we tracked, we, you know, bad, you know, not vital blood, but we tracked for like 100 yards and just sick. Drop time. I had seen this deer the first day I was in the stand. I actually went in there and put a ground blind up. The deer comes down the fence line right where I shot him, sees the ground blind, gets out of there. I go back in there and hang a climber or a lock on. He comes in there. I make that shot. Like two days later, it had rained up until like, the time I was walking in the stand, like pouring rain, and then the wind started howling, and I was in the stand, and that joker came out from the same place where he that that farmer had run him out. He goes around behind me, like towards where my dad hunts, and he's limping on that back leg. But I felt like relieved to know that he was still alive. Couldn't get a shot on him. No, then. couldn't get a shot. He was. I mean, I just watched him walk right across through there, dude. And he. Yeah. I mean, you know. It, 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 we can all say that this deer scored this, this deer scored this, but I would at least say, you know, he was probably at least 60s and 70s, and that would have been my biggest deer. And then I had another one kind of like that, just a, a couple hundred yards down the road in the same spot. It just wasn't daylight enough, and I couldn't take the shot. But um, I had a turkey over here on Dawson Forest WMA. That's local to us, Colin. But um, gotcha. I used to be able to – I used to be off on Fridays when I was younger uh, for the job I had, and – Man, that joker whooped me up and down for two years in a row, and I never killed that bird. I knew exactly where he lived, knew exactly where he was at. I took help over there trying to get on him. He just wasn't – he wouldn't come. Man, well, I, I mean, I don't know that there'll ever be a one that got away more for me than the than the faulty gun snap in, in Iowa. And it's not a bow hunt, but it's definitely a, a gun. I had drawn my buck tag that year and had the opportunity to go and steal hunt instead of having to hunt with the, the party and the group hunters. And uh, so I was I, – I, my buddy had hunted this deer all year. I mean, sent me trail camera pictures and everything, and he was working that week of shotgun and wasn't going to be able to hunt the rest of the year. He was going to be gone. Chad, on, I mean, Chad, shout out to you, buddy, for, for giving me the opportunity to go hunt this deer. And uh, he said, go kill him. He said, I can tell you exactly where he's coming at, at standing beans, I walked to the end of that row, and this was the last day. This was the last day to hunt. It was it was Wednesday, and we were leaving Thursday because season closed on Thursday and Friday. And uh, walked to the end of the row there, and the standing beans, there was 80 deer standing in those beans already. It was 2.30 in the afternoon, snow on the ground. And I will never forget it. The deer, the field blew. I mean, the field blew out. And so I just thought, well, I've screwed this up. 
So I walked to the next field over and sat down. Within 20 minutes, there's 30 deer in the other side of the beans, and they're everywhere. And I'm thinking, man, this is great. So no bucks were out there, really. Saw a few small ones, so I walked to the other side of the ditch because I could see 200 yards, and I thought, well, I'll slip over here. And I slipped over and sat down, and that field was full of deer again, the beans. I mean, they didn't go anywhere. They just thought I was a farmer or something, didn't think anything about it. I looked to my left, and there he was standing there, this this buck. And I knew he was big. He was a mainframe 12-pointer with stickers and kickers and mass and width. And I turned 80 yards. I'm talking perfect. I'm left-handed, so I had to turn and, and put it up the field. And I was dead on him. 20-gauge killed how many deer have I killed up there with that gun? Snapped the, the bullet. Yeah. Didn't go off. And – uh he heard it and turned and just went right back in the woods. Um, second shotgun, a 13-year-old girl killed that deer two and a half miles from there. He was 183 uh, is what he scored. But I wasn't, but I wasn't mad, and, I, and I'll say this. I was not mad about that situation like I would expect to be. I still think about it, but I walked back to the truck, and my dad was there to pick me up, and I, I took the shell out of my gun, and I threw it to him, and it, the primer was struck. It was just barely struck. What had happened, it was so cold, my gun had, the spring had got weak in my gun and it froze up. And mm. I, I guess getting in and out of the truck, moisture, hot, cold, hot, cold metal. And I told my dad, I said, that's the biggest buck I'll ever, ever have the chance at right there. Just walked out of, the, out of my life forever. And of course, went back the next year and killed a one, 173. So I wasn't too bad off though. Well, I think the ones, yeah. those ones that get away are the what keep, getting us back out there damon Harmon said that best and told me that, that that he said it's the ones that get away that keep us going back so and i and i think that that's that could go with anything in life but you know that was probably meant to be for that young girl to absolutely that. absolutely and i mean you know people can say what they want but colin you've spent time there in iowa and a 180 is a is a reachable goal in iowa it is yeah for sure colin yeah. would you rather turkey hunt or deer hunt Hold on before you say that. Jeremy, thanks for that question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> thanks for that. But get it. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably have to say if I had to do it, one thing for the rest of my life is just deer season because it's a little bit longer. And not just talking about bow hunting, that it's that's it's hard to beat a spring morning. I'm, I had a good spring morning this morning. And it, you think about those and you think about how often you don't kill a deer. <laughs> for the times you sit for them and it makes you makes you question it but i I'd, I'd probably have to go deer just barely he films for major league bow hunter he's not going to say turkeys but what what <laughs> where did you find him at that where how did you figure out who colin perry was chipper well i mean on tiktok <laughs> i thought you was already watching him on tiktok well yeah i was watching him on tiktok but i mean didn't. that's that's it didn't what click. was he doing on tiktok he wasn't deer hunting no but he was turkey hunting so there oh, yeah. you go. Well, he puts yeah. deer videos on there, but it just never registered. Even though he puts Major League Bowhunter in all of his titles, <laughs> hey, there he is. <laughs> I just don't read that. <laughs> Colin, when you growing up in Mississippi, being you know Mississippi is basically I would say the basically the turkey turkey capital of the world, almost you know with the uh, West Point, Mississippi, and all that mossy oak mm -hmm. and stuff over there. What did you grow up a mossy oak guy? Huge. You know, I up until I started Major League Bowhunter, I was mossy oak bottom land and green leaf till I die. You know, that's what uh, you know, that's, that's where that's where I, that's where, I, yeah. that's where I was going with that because I figured it was going to be real tough for you to 
for you to say that. What? What are you looking at me for? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> thinking about it. No, I just, I just know where he's come, where he lives at. Where he's um, 45 minutes point. So, you know, the the big Mossy Oak store is right there. I made many a trips to it as a, you know, all my life, I guess. Well, he also said something early on that he he kind of grew up watching Bill Winky, which I know Winky's not young or uh, young, you know, but Duff is. Duff's kind of he's not. He's not an older guy like Cus Strickland or Mark Drury or something like that. You never mentioned those, so those are probably uh, real uh, monster bucks and stuff. Was probably before your time a little bit, so you didn't really grow up watching those. You've you've heard of them because of where yeah. you live and stuff. Yeah, we had a couple of the monster buck, you know, DVDs, and you know, I thought those were the. I, f- I think we had two, and me and my cousin wore them out. You know, we knew every every hunt on them, and. So, I, but I, I like you said that was that was a little bit before me, but we still watched the the two that we had. <laughs> so I talked to a guy last night from Louisiana, and he's been hunting Mississippi a little bit. Um, are you guys having a tough time with birds out there responding? And then once they do respond off the limb, first thing in the morning hitting the ground, are you guys having a tough time with them? Not this morning, but you know how that is. There, <laughs> yeah. There's there, there's certain you know mornings in the spring where it just happens, and so. I've only watched two die this year here in Mississippi, and one was my my brother got one on the 17th, so two days after the opener. And then after the 17th, man, I went 12 days without hearing a gobble. I mean, it was – I just couldn't find a bird. You know, I couldn't buy one. I hunted some public. I hunted my places, you know, that are that have permission and are private and stuff. And it was it was tough. Like, it was like, man, I you know, we just don't don't know what's happening. And uh, I eventually I found this bird. Uh, I killed one this morning, and I found him on my lease property actually. And uh, hunted, you know, I hunted him around. He's an old swamp bird. There's you know, water standing everywhere, so I couldn't ever get on the right side of him. And then, you know, this morning it just it just happened to work. Um, so to answer your question about them hitting the ground and stuff, um, the one my brother killed. I mean, as soon as he hit the ground, I didn't call to him in the tree. I'd heard him fly up the night before. That's why I knew he was there. Um, almost killed him the night before. And um, his hens came within us, but he was, you know, how the, you know, the, the gobblers do. They, he was directly behind us, behind a, a hill. Hear him spitting and drumming all evening long, never would come over. Um, so we listened to him fly up, snuck out of there. And then uh, that morning got pretty dang close to him and, then called to him in the tree. As soon as he hit the ground, yelped, you know, a couple times. He gobbled, yelped again. He started spinning and drumming, yelped one more time, and he was full speed ahead. He ran in to a, a decoy spread. And uh, to the bird this morning, I just called him by himself. You know, he's been having some hens with him. Um, so he there's some pasture land. I'm in a swamp. That's what I have. And then on the, the neighboring property is some big, you know, pastures. And he takes them every, you know, just about every day them pastures and uh i you know i can't hunt them and this morning uh, i heard him gobbling he was in the area right around where i figured he'd be um so but i had this big slough in front of me so i and though it's wide open after that so i i kind of got to this point in this cane thicket where i was like okay i, I can't move anymore you know this slough is going to be in between me and him but if if i if i go any further you know i'm gonna bump him out of the tree so I ended up setting up, and after listening to him gobble and gobble for, you know, about five minutes, I was like, he don't have any hands with him. I, like, I'm close enough to where I, I'd be able to hear him, you know, chirping a little bit. And uh, sure enough, you know, I, 
I really don't like calling to him on the limb, but this morning I was like, he's by himself. And so I, I went ahead and yelped a couple of times and he was just hammering every time. And then I especially don't ever do a fly down cackle mainly because I'm not good at it, you know, but that took my hat off and flapped it on down and beat it in the leaves. A couple of times. <laughs> you were making fun of me for doing that the other day. I thought that was a joke. I didn't think nobody really done that. I, I don't know oh I'm my like, goodness. I, I, like if I do it, I'm gonna booger the bird 100. percent People do it but all the time. I do it. People do it all the time. They fly down, take their yeah. hat off, beat their leg, whatever. Yeah. Well, it worked this morning. He he flew down across the slough and and he he come in there. But I have a good. You know, uh, you were talking about you know your your primer not striking uh, in Iowa for your deer. So both I, I've always shot a Mossberg 835 Ultimag. I've killed every turkey I've killed with it. There we go. Hammer right <laughs> there, son. I like to hear it. Big 12 gauge, three let's, and a half. Let's see, let's see that bruise on your arm from this morning. <laughs> yeah. so, yes, sir. So this, this, uh, the first bird my brother shot, did you see that video on TikTok where it, the, it clicks? Yeah. Did y'all see that? I didn't see it. Yeah. So the bird, bird hops off the limb, yelp at him. He comes running into a decoy spread and, uh, I mean, he's he's 15 yards from us. Brother pulls the trigger, and got nothing but a click. So, the decoys bought us enough time to where my brother could, you know, repump, re-rack it, and put another shell in, and that one shot, killed the bird. So after that hunt, I looked at both the, you know, the shell that shot and the shell that, you know, messed up, and the primer and the one that messed up, you know, just had a little bitty dent in it. So I was like, okay, well, maybe it's the shell. Yeah, you know, and I was just like, yeah, it's just a bad xr shell because i've heard you know people have trouble with them sometimes i'm a fan of them but uh so anyways i kind of just didn't think about it went out there this morning that that bird comes around that cane thicket i was in and poked his head out and i put it right on him and click again uh-uh. <laughs> like, golly so I, I i i knew the gig that time my brother took a long time to you know re-rack one yeah but i put up on my shoulder and you know, did it quick and he didn't have time to go anywhere. So definitely have to get that, you know, figured out for the next one. <laughs> when growing up in Mississippi, I've heard, uh, I've heard Coach Strickland talk about that and, and I'm going to mispronounce it. I know I am that home, Honachina National Forest. Yeah. Down South. Yeah. Do you ever, you ever hunted that? No, I don't. I, I've never gone down there to hunt that. There's a big piece here in Choctaw County. Okay. I'm from Choctaw. And uh, there's a humongous piece that goes throughout. I think I think it touches three counties. Oh wow! It's a big place. I did, and uh, there, I mean, there's some birds on it, but I've never made it down to uh, Homachita. Yeah. Speaking 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 of, <laughs> of cousin, you being a young cameraman yourself, how would you have liked to have lugged that stuff around that he used to, man, back in the day? <laughs> yeah, that that's. That's crazy. You hear, uh, I heard David Blanton talking about it, and he was like, "My shoulders still messed up to this day from carrying those. You know, they had to sit them on their shoulders and carry those. I mean, they were 40, 50 pounds. And then, you know, you look at our cameras today; we're toting them around like it's nothing. So definitely, like, you know, Cuz and Blanton and them that were using those big cameras. It's it's funny to think about just how far in a short period of time everything's condensed down. It's like it's big now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're what got, we're, what, what got yeah. me was they were taking those vhs tapes and putting together and that's how they're edited splicing them together yeah that's that's what got me yeah i, I wouldn't even know where to begin there <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know did you cut it and heat it I don't you know ain't what, never done that 
No. Oh, man, let me tell you this story real quick because you're talking about that. It's funny. <laughs> so when I was a kid, probably I'm going to say nine, ten-year-old, my favorite, probably to this day, uh, growing up, my favorite movie was The Land Before Time. Pete Tree, Littlefoot, you know, that was Ducky. That was I haven't my, seen it. You ain't never seen it? Oh, man, that was the best movie. It was a dinosaur movie. Well, Bradley, my brother, he, he was mean, spiteful, and uh, little brother. He took that movie, he didn't like it, and he broke it in half. Broke the case on it, just shattered it. Ripped the tape, everything. Boy, I was mad, boy, fit to be tied, ready to choke him out. I took that movie, and I took another one apart. It had screws in it. Phillips had screws. Took it apart. Took the discs out and put them in there, and I put it back together. Me and Mama done it with a, a piece of uh, scotch tape. We taped the tape back together. So there's two or three places in that movie when it would get to that scotch tape. You could see it. it and it would keep playing. That, that's, just a, that's just a dissolve now on Adobe. Yeah, that's right. Well, there you go. I mean, that's what it is. It was, I should have, but that's what we done. We put that thing back. I won't never forget that because I was so upset because that was my favorite movie as a kid. When Littlefoot died, I used to cry and make Mama turn it back on. So if you ain't never seen that movie, I'm sorry, y'all. Littlefoot does or his mama somebody passed away in there anyway i don't remember now but that's a great movie but <laughs> you have no idea what i'm talking about do you i've heard of it i have heard of it i can't say I watched it he's a young fella alex he may not know what a vhs is <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness colin um if you if you had a good piece of advice to give somebody that wanted to start filming as a young young guy what what kind of advice would you give them there's opportunity everywhere. If you want to step your foot in the hunting industry, you know, video camera wise, people are always needing somebody to film a hunt. Like, you know, cause you think about everybody that's doing it nowadays. Um, everybody's got a hunting show, you know, whether it's YouTube or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, reaching out to people and, you know, or even taking a, a, you know, a risk or a chance like, like I did go into, um, you know, doing this internship with Midwest Whitetail. Like one thing that I've realized is, like I said, everybody's needing an extra cameraman for hunt. Everybody needs somebody to, well, this guy can't go. So I need a freelancer to go here. And then there's such a like connection. Um, what are, what is the word I'm looking for? Like a network, you can network so good in this industry because everybody that's in it they know each other so if you you know if you cut your lot and like you go hunt you hey i'll go film you for free for a week and then your name is associated with you know you, you get to know these people and you know nobody's gonna let you film for free they're gonna pay you but you offer that and you know you do your time and uh, you know you're you will get to know people very quickly way you know way faster than you think and, and you'll you'll start to realize well hey you know i'm good friends with this person and you know they get me hooked up here and you, you can make connections super quick if you're willing to reach out and you know start you just got to start you know you just need your one chance to so somebody say yeah come on and you know also at that you know you know learn how to be a good cameraman before you go and you know have you know not impress them but you know be a good likable guy and you know go there and do the work that you need to do and you you can there's opportunity everywhere really so you just got to get after it. Being a young guy like yourself, do you think that the um, 
major outdoor platforms like Outdoor Channel, Pursuit, and all that stuff is going to be non-existent in like 10 years, and it's all just going to be streaming services, YouTube, Mossy Up Go, whatever else may be out there. I don't know. We, we, we talk about it a lot. You know, that's, that's you know, something that we, we discuss. You know, obviously, uh, Major League Bowhunter, we're really just on TV right now. You know, that's the way that, that they like it, and that's the way we're rolling right now. We're going to start doing some more YouTube stuff, and, you know, you, you kind of got to at this point. You know, they're just everybody's doing it. And uh, I don't know, you know, we'll, I, I can't say whether or not TV will be demolished in 10 years, you know, the outdoor side of it. But uh, there's definitely going to be a point where you got to be on different stuff. You know, you got to be, you know, th- there's going to be less viewers on TV and you're going to have to go digital at some point for sure. Yeah. Do you think that the storytelling makes a better hunter than the quick little you know nowadays it's five six minutes that's all the video is like we talked about on previous shows that's the way the industry's going do you think that's causing people not to learn as much anymore yeah and i i think that's why you know as myself i loved learning you know like watching i mean you watch the monster book dvd or their hunts you know whatever that you don't get the full story now obviously you can go to those guys episodes and you can learn something but like you you're seeing a lot of stuff packaged like that where it's just the hunt and that's you know sometimes you just want to go on and watch people kill deer but that's probably why you know why i love major league bow hunter there's that learning aspect of it why i watch midwest whitetail there's a learning aspect of it and you know you see guys like the hunt public you know showing it like it is what they're doing you know every day and people are attracted to that and, you know like it's you know they're still watching uh midwest whitetail even though winky's not you know part of it anymore they're still learning from you know jared and them and mike and um you know they still watch major league bow hunter on you know tv because they know they're going to learn something from you know chipper duff and they're going to take them through the process of it so it's definitely more my style. Like I, I definitely like it more than a little. That's I mean, and that's one of Duff's things. Duff really loves you know TV because he's like you know you're producing, you know your show. You're not just putting out you know that little snippet of whatever, and and you're you're showing you know the whole thing. Um, so that's his draw to it for sure. What's the strangest thing you've ever seen in the woods? Golly, you got one. Oh. Okay, here. Yes, I'm glad you asked that. So me and Chipper in Kansas this year. I'm not going to say the strangest. It's probably the coolest thing I've ever seen in the woods. And strange, I guess. So we're climbing up in this in this cedar tree. We're in this big meadow in Kansas. It's early season. It's like October, you know, 6th or something. And I've done climbed up. My, my stand is above Chipper's. So I've climbed up, take my backpack off. I'm kind of getting all my stuff unpacked, getting ready to set everything up. And Chipper's about halfway up the tree at this point, and I'm kind of looking down in my backpack, and all of a sudden, like, the sky just, it's its daytime. It's the brightest. I, I whipped my head up, and I could see, I mean, you can see 300 yards out in front of this meadow, and I can see every bit of it. And I was like, what in the world? And it was a shooting star came down. And, I, I mean, it lit up the, it looked like it crashed at the end of that meadow. Chipper got up there and he said, did you see that? <laughs> I was like, it's been hard to miss it. And he was like, I think that is the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. I said, 
I, I honestly haven't moved since it happened. I don't know what you know. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know what to think about. It was, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was cool. Didn't get that on film. No, it was way too dark. I didn't even think about having a camera on. We were about <laughs> thirty enough. minutes, pretty dark. I didn't have my camera off my shoulder. I guess I was still setting stuff up. Is I mean, we just gotten there. It was, it was cool though. Did you, did you ever, do you ever pick his brain on old baseball stories or anything like that? Oh, yeah. I always ask him about, about players, and and he he'll tell you something about every one of them. He remembers everything. It's it's awesome. That's. That's definitely one of the cooler parts of the job, you know, because I was a baseball fan growing up. I was a big Astros fan. Uh, we had a guy, uh, Roy Oswalt, pitch for the uh, Astros, and uh, so he's kind of a hometown guy. So I grew up watching them, and you know, just you know, obviously I knew Chipper Braves because Braves are kind of my second team. Okay, I reckon that. Yeah, and the big Chipper fan, and you know, just getting to ask him about any of the players, you know, you just and even to this day, like we're watching the World Series this year. You know the Braves run to it, and we're sitting in Deer Camp watching it, and I'll be like, you know, who 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 are the Dodgers going to pitch next or whatever? And he he can tell you everybody in the bullpen of every team. He can tell you, yeah, I mean, it's it's really incredible how he still keeps up with it, and just he knows, you know, the guys that are in the game now, and, and he keeps up with it and knowledgeable about them. It's it's pretty cool. Has he shared a story with you in the stand about an old teammate or a coach or anything that? You go, I, that I, you've told your friends over and over. Uh, I think he, I think he told, I, he he told y'all the story about uh, Maddox. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a pretty good one. That that's one he loves to tell to everybody. That's he's got he's got a bunch of good stories about him. But that Bobby not, Cox story, that Bobby is Cox my was favorite. the best. That's one. the best story when he <laughs> told that on there. Just, Jesus Christ, Chip, <laughs> shut it down! I laughed oh. about that. I hear that in my sleep now. <laughs> so my first year with this, this is probably one of the coolest mornings I've had since I started the job. We went to me and Chipper went to Adam LaRoche's place, the E three Ranch. And um, Adam LaRoche is the best, the best guy. Like, I mean, he, he, he's the best guy I've met. And um, we're out there at his E3 ranch, and he has this this shooting house. It's 35 foot up in the air, and it is probably 20 yards wide by 10 yards wide. I mean, it is massive. And we climbed up that thing, and then him and Chipper, I turned the camera on, and him and Chipper sat around and talked old stories about Chipper putting him on the, the other team's bus as a rookie. I mean, just <laughs> all – it was it was awesome. I, that was a cool morning, just listening to them two talk about being teammates and chirping around each other about different stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Colin, I got one more question for you, but I want to tell you, man, thanks for, thanks for taking our message. Thanks for coming on. Um, yep. I can't wait to meet you hand to hand or face to face and hand and shake your hand. But uh, lastly, what are you most thankful for? I'm thankful, most thankful for just I, I have a good support system back home. You know, uh, Jesus has really blessed me with that. I have, I have a big family here, and um, you know, they're, they're kind of like everybody kind of sticks around town kind of deal, you know, as they grew up and I've kind of ventured off and, you know, I'm gone six months out of the year, um, pretty much, you know, filming and stuff. And, but they, 
you know, I, I know I always got my family here, you know, when I got some off time, I'm back home and, and the support that they give me to, you know, chase this dream and stuff. That's, that's really, that means a lot to me more than they, more than they know. It's always a place to call home and come back home to. So I'm really grateful for that. Well, man, you got a bright future and I believe everything you do, you speak very well, as Alex said earlier, um, you're a smart kid. And again, I hope we run into you at a trade show or something down the line. Or maybe we do something on down the line together. I have to come and once we come out to Chippers or something, we'll meet up. Well, come on, man. We uh, we'll actually be at the uh, World Deer Expo. Um, is that August? Yeah, it's August nineteenth, twentieth, twenty first. I think. If you're at home, man, come over and see us. Yeah, we're just right cool. there in Birmingham. I don't. I guess that's too far from you. No, not about two hours. I think. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely stay in touch with you, Colin. And and like Nick said, it is it has been a great experience to to get to speak with you. Um, and I think that as we go into the final spit of the night, the one thing that sticks out in my mind is you are the definition of just go. The saying that we've said a lot of times on this show is just go. Just take those opportunities and take those chances. And you as a young man can be an inspiration to anyone that may hear this and take that into account that if you want to do something, just go. If you want to go hunting somewhere, just go. Look it up. There's a million different opportunities for you to do things out there. And just like when we started this show, we just did it, and we just went with it. And that's the key thing I want everyone to remember as they've listened to this is Colin can be an inspiration for that. And he is a very humble person, and he's taking this thing, and he's putting it into his memory bank as something he can carry with him for the rest of his life. And, buddy, I can't wait to watch you uh, do great things. It's uh, it's very exciting for us to see. And as Nick said, I appreciate the opportunity for you to come on and, and do this with us very much. I appreciate y'all having me. It's been fun. Well, Nicholas, uh, if anybody wants to follow along with Colin, go over to Major League Bow Hunter. You can find him there. You can find him on TikTok, and you can find him on Instagram. And uh, I'm sure he's got a Facebook. If, uh, if you get out there looking hard enough, you might find him there. And <laughs> Uh, but just go and check him out because I promise you, you're going to see some great content and, and a great guy to boot. I got one more question. Okay. We've had three of the Major League Bow Hunters. How many more are left that we got to get on? Duff, for sure. We got to get We know Duff. Duff. How many more? It's pretty much Duff. We we got a marketing director um, that joined us last year. His name is Brad Stricker. He's out of uh, St. Louis. But uh, besides that, it's him and Duff. Well, we're, coming, them on we're coming for you, Duff. <laughs> yeah, we're coming for you, Duff. We'll have to set that one up in the off season. So, Colin, once again, appreciate you coming over and being with us. And uh, like I said, anybody wants to follow along with it, make sure you do and uh, go over and check out all the new stuff we've got going on on social media. And uh, and if you haven't already, go over to Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify, leave us a review, and uh, let us know how things are going in your opinion. So, for everybody here at Talk About It Outdoors, we want to thank you for tuning in to another episode. Come back and be with us when you can. And remember, smile as you go, but don't forget, mount the memories. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404 404- 404 
831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need? Or is your construction site needing a dumpster? Give our buddy Tony at Georgia Junk and Dumpster Rental a call. With services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs, Georgia Junk is here to help with any and all removal needs. If it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside, Tony and his team can surely assist. Servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties, give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short order with Georgia Junk. 